Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesday on the Wise Guys, we're here. It's it's not the night before Christmas. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. It's the night before the Big 12 meetings in Texas. The first conference media day for BYU since 2010. Isn't that crazy? And, and it, it's funny because BYU got so in the tradition. We talked a little bit about this last week of holding their own media day. They're in independent. They just had their own media day. And and that got kind of fun over right. the years. And so BYU said, you know what? Even though we're going to the Big 12 Media Days, we're going to get together with all the media, and we're going to have a golf tournament and do some interviews and stuff. And they did that last week. But now it's the big time. Now now they head down to AT&T. And, and where is it at? It's, it's at AT&T Stadium. Yeah, in Arlington. They need the Cowboys football stadium to do this. Jerry Jones Place. And, and it all feels... Really big time yeah. to me. And, yeah, and, and that's where, remember, that's where the Big 12 championship game is. That's right. At the end of it all. And someday, hopefully sooner than later, BYU will be in that game. Yeah, and so, and all the local media are, are heading down, of course. Yeah. But, but this is where the national media will be. And all of the local media from all of the markets that the Big 12 is in. All over so, the, so, yeah, all over the country now. So uh, Kalani Sataki is going to be there. We'll talk about a little bit more about who's going to be there, but you're going to be down there. Be down there. Go down and do some interviews. You're heading down late tonight. Yep. Um, to be able to be there. BYU TV will have full coverage. Yep. And, and then, of course, we'll have the aftermath on next week's show. And sure. Mitch Matthews, the man who caught the Hail Mary to beat Nebraska, he'll be live with us. Yep. It's going to be a fun football I show. Think we, were, we were probably, other than his teammates, we were the two closest people affiliated with BYU <laughs> to him. When he made that catch. And even even we were like, did he get did it? Did he get that? Was he in? Did, he, did like that he just it? happen? Was he in? Like you, you and I were standing in the stadium right on that goal line, um, on the side that he caught it on, probably three feet back from the pylon, and he caught it um, close to that side. So we were, I don't know, what, 40 feet away from him? It was uh, it was something else. Yeah. It was just it, like it was. we saw the ball flying and... And, and it and just happened. It all seemed like it was in slow motion. <laughs> Magic happened. It all seemed in slow motion. And then when he caught it, we didn't have any question he caught it, but they tackled him right on the line. And you and I looked to each other and went, did, did, he did get the football in? cross the line? We, we weren't sure. And we were right there. Yeah. And they reviewed it. And clearly it did. Yes. And the place, the, the little sliver of blue went nuts. Yes. The rest of the place <laughs> went quiet. And uh, so Mitch Matthews next week. Hey, follow us on YouTube. We'll put a link in the chat, as we always do. We say hello to everybody uh, visiting us uh, again from all around the world. Uh, let us know where you're watching from tonight. Uh, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. It's free. Click on the bell. You'll get notifications whenever we post something new or when we go live. And uh, the more subscriptions we get, the longer we get to do this show. And we're also live on Facebook. We're live on Twitch. And YSGuys.com. That's our home base where everything right. is. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure that you follow us on YSGuys.com as well. Subscribe there. All of this stuff is free. All these things we keep asking you to subscribe it's to. It's our favorite free. price. Right. If you do that, you get our weekly email with highlights from the show. Um, 
if, if you want to watch our past interviews with people like Danny Ainge, Marie Osmond, Jimmer Fredette, Sherry Dew, Ty Detmer, Kyle Van Noy, Jay Hill, Justin Enna, Gennaro Guilford, Sione Pua, Kelly Papinga, Fessy Sataki. Man. How about former Governor Gary Herbert, Harvey Unga? And we're leaving a bunch out. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're leaving a bunch out. That's just the list we made for this week. I right? was just thinking, in our first year, uh, up to where we are now, I think we've had 50 guests on this show. Yeah. 50 of the who's who among and, BYU. And, and some of the greatest players in the history of BYU in multiple sports yeah. have, have come here in studio. Sat, sat and those right interviews are just sitting there waiting for yeah. you at so, so make sure you subscribe to that, and uh, let's, get, let's keep this thing rolling. We're just a little over a year into this into this, I don't know, I was going to call it a project, into the show. It's a project. It was a project for us and, and for Jack and for DJ. We we started this thing off and said, let's let's see if we can make yeah. this thing go. And it's going to be one of those billion-dollar startups. Yeah. Thanks to you <laughs> Thanks to you all out for, for hanging with us and subscribing and, and keeping it afloat. We're still rolling, and we're rolling into some good stuff that we'll announce in, in the coming weeks. But, uh, yeah, keep... Keep following us. Tell your friends about it. Have them subscribe. And let's let's grow this thing into, as you described, the very first show we ever had. You said you wanted it to be the largest gathering of BYU fans around the world. And it in truly, prime time. And it truly has been yeah. a global um, experience. We've had um, from Corey Yoshimura, who's always joining us mm -hmm. in Japan, uh, to now we've had folks joining us from Panama and Colombia and I think the Philippines, Philippines um, South Korea, we had one. Singapore. Singapore, like all over the Pacific Rim, Asia, Europe, uh, South America, Central America. Uh, we're so thrilled that you would take the time to spend a little bit of time with us. So say hi to each other on the live stream tonight. Let's have some fun. Uh, we got a big show. Uh, here's what we're going to talk about in the next little bit. Uh, Media Day, Big 12. Uh, everything you need to know heading into tomorrow. And, and you know, BYU football is still buzzing about the preseason media poll. And we'll, uh, we'll weigh in on and, uh, if we like where the Cougars are sitting or if we're surprised or where maybe we thought they should have been. Well, and, and we're going to talk about, you did a little research on that. And uh, um, we're BYU, or we're not we're BYU, where the champions have been picked the last couple of years is not high. No. Um, and so I wouldn't be discouraged by that because it seems like the Big 12 media doesn't have a clue the last couple of years. So why would they have a clue this year? Right. Why do we expect anything different? Yeah, so so it'll, it'll be fine. I'm just going to say that right up front. How about BYU track and field this last week being represented by Kenneth Rooks? Unbelievable. Um, he, he's at... He's at <laughs> The USA Track and Field Championships. So remember, this isn't the NCAA championship. He already won that. That that was a runaway, right? Running the three thousand meter steeplechase, he wins the championship. But we're going to talk more about this. Wow, yeah. one of the greatest athletic feats I've ever seen. Period, in any sport, because he falls um, going over the uh, the barrier, right? Drops back probably thirty meters behind the pack, and gets back up. Gets back into the race and wins the USA Track and Field Championships. Just unbelievable. Qualifying him to go run in the Worlds. We'll talk more about that here in just a sec. Lee Kamar, the assistant basketball coach for the BYU women's team and former BYU star himself, uh, he's going to join us. And he just got back from a recruiting trip. Uh, and then he's, he's going to come in and sit down here and, and we'll get to the lowdown on what he's up to. Well, I'm just going to ask him what's the biggest basket he made at BYU. 
Lee Kamard coming up here in just a little bit. But let's jump right into the headlines. And the headline, there's no bigger headline right now. I know Big 12 and football, we got plenty of that coming up. But Kenneth Rooks uh, wins that 3,000-meter steeplechase at the USA Track and Field Championships. He's a story now all over the country. 800 meters into the race, he gets caught in traffic, and a guy in front of him stumbles a little bit. He comes to the hurdle and, and can't clear it, goes down, rolls over, gets back up. When he gets back up, he's in last place. There's 13 guys running ahead of him. He's four seconds behind the leader, and then he just did something we have never seen before that wasn't in a Hollywood movie. Yeah. This is real life. He, he passed all 13 runners that were in front of him and, and, and came around that last turn and out sprinted everybody over that last or the last barrier to the finish line and wins this thing. It's, it's unbelievable. Even the announcers were like, they were surprised that Rooks was actually, Hey, wait a sec. There's Ken Rooks in the group. All of a sudden, uh, they kind of missed his whole March back into it. Now he's into the, into the group that's heading down the stretch and the announcers just then figure out what, what are we watching here? Yeah. We're watching history. It's and think about it. This is at that level. We're not talking about he's running in a high school meet. These are the best steeplechase athletes in North America. Right. Um, many of them professionals, right? And Kenneth Brooks is an amateur. Just, just finished the NCAA championships. As we mentioned, just a junior records are set by tenths of seconds in track. Right, not by seconds. You drop four seconds behind the leader, thirty meters back, and you come back and win the thing. It, it's unbelievable, and and it just speaks to first of all the guts that he had to just go. Well, first of all, I'm getting up. He actually kind of front somersaulted over this thing. In yeah. fact, I'm getting up, and I don't know how this thing's going to turn out. Um, and we, we've got to get him to come in on the show. Right? Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. You know, what, what are you thinking at that point? All he could think evidently was, well, he's got to go catch everybody. So the effort to catch up should have exhausted him, and then he outkicked everybody down the stretch and won this. That just goes to show you how remarkably talented he is as well. So mentally tough, absolutely. Talented, he, he's, ha- he's that much better than anybody else in that race. And you know what? He, he's just scratching the surface yeah. Um, of, of his talent because he's still young in terms of age and experience in that sport. Up next for him is the World Championships, August 19th through 27th in Budapest. Four Cougars in the mix in that. but like you, and, and you had a talk with one of the greatest steeplechasers of all time, um, former BYU guy, and he said it was remarkable, right? Yeah, Henry Marsh. In fact, that, that article is going to come out later tonight at Deseret.com or tomorrow morning, one of those two. But I talked to him last night. I wrote a story about um, Rooks in the Desert News off of his BYU Sports Nation interview. He's still in Walla Walla, Washington. He's coming back to school next week uh, where he'll start training for the, for the world. But, um, yeah, and, and Ed Eisen said it's like chariots of fire. And then I started thinking, what, what finish in a movie – um, best kind of captures what, what Rooks just did and, uh, and, and, you know, chime in with some of your ideas. But my thought first was in Rocky II, you know, he's down on the canvas. Yeah. He's got to get up to win. 
and he gets up to win, and then the music comes. And so I thought Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa. And then you start looking around at, at just about every sports movie has that some kind of a get-off-the-canvas-and-finish. Chariots of Fire is in there. Uh, the Gladiator, you know. There are plenty yeah. of times to give up. And you get up and you fight back, and it's like it's his own movie. But here's the thing. In, in real life, most of the time what we witness is somebody falls down or, or, or they get knocked off the track or whatever in track and field. And then they get back up with a scraped knee way behind and they, and they finish and we all applaud. We say, can you believe that they finished the race? That the after guts what to happened? finish. They had the guts to finish. And we applaud the fact that they had the guts to finish. Yeah. Nobody goes and wins the thing. No, because no one like, else fell down. They're all still up. That's why it's only in movies, because it's pretty <laughs> much a fairy tale. It's like finding a unicorn. It, it, yeah. You, and it, you, in the movies, they go, oh, that was great. Uh, let's shoot that scene 50 more times yeah. to get the moment let's just moment right. And, in real life, it just happened. And in the movies, they picked out the two or three times that that's ever happened, because hundreds and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times, the guy that falls down finishes last. Yeah. Even though he or she puts in phenomenal effort... And we applaud the effort to just finish the race. You, nobody wins that thing, really. But Kenneth Rooks did. Now he's gonna he's gonna do the worlds, and they said he's coming back. He's running in the Big Twelve. Oh All my. of a sudden, you got the best one of the best athletes in the Big Twelve. Yeah, uh, certainly and, the and, only national champion in steeplechase. And we don't want to give away your article with with Henry, who, by the way, you and I were talking before. Henry's he, one of my favorite. He'll people. be on the show next month. One of my favorite people in the world. I love Henry Marsh. Good friend. And, and Henry said that he thinks he's got the talent to, fin to run in the finals yeah. in the Worlds. Yeah. Winning it, that's, that's another story because the, the, the times of the world record holder, that, that's in a different place. Right. And the world the record sub holder eight we're talking is, about. is from Ethiopia, right? Yeah. yeah. And, but he could get in that group and he's just getting started. Yeah. He's got, he is at the age and at the, and at the training level and experience level that he is going to Re, you know, really improve over the next several years. Um, but he's already good enough to run the world championships and, and very likely good enough to run the Olympic games next summer. Yeah. He's on track. And, for and that. then, and then how about the next world championships in the next Olympics? Because, because then I think he has a chance he's to gonna just get faster, to, faster to compete. So Henry they, Marsh got faster after college. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's Taysom Hill got better after college. Yes, he did. You know, Jamal Williams better after college. Although he was really good here. Tyler Algier was uh, better Tyler after college. Even in his it's amazing year. what full time training can do to a we're, body. We're and we've had all these folks on Danny Ainge, um, just kept getting better yeah. after, after college. like you name it. When and you don't have to go to science class and you can just train. Yeah, don't worry about school. Hey, uh, get, get paid to eat the right stuff. And <laughs> Shout out to uh, three other Cougars heading to the Worlds. Former uh, Cougar Zach McWhorter finished second at the USA's in the pole vault. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Courtney Wayman, who was on this show last summer after her NCAA title, she finished third in the women's 3,000-meter steeplechase. She's going to the Worlds. Mm-hmm. And a former Cougar, Nico Montanez, qualified for the World Championships back in June in the marathon. Right, the marathon championship. So where's Connor Mance? Connor Mance, who's like the greatest of all time from BYU. Not really, but it seems like it is. Uh, he's certainly among the best of the best. He decided he wasn't going to go do the Worlds because he wants to run in the Chicago Marathon because he's getting paid to go run in the Chicago Marathon. Well, and Business and, decision. Well, business decision and also in, in that marathon circuit, there's it's five or six we went back, we watched Connor, because our daughter, Nicole, was running in the Boston Marathon, which is an amazing experience. But Connor was running in that, and one of the favorites. 
in the Boston Marathon, running against the world record holder, um, and uh, and actually finished right behind the world record holder who who had an off day. It was cold and rainy, yeah. Um, and but but still top ten, um, and. The, you know, these events, the Boston Marathon, the Berlin Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, the New York City Marathon, the, these events are huge professional events with big paydays and the best fields in the world. So, yeah, so we wish Connor the best of luck as he gets ready for, for Chicago and maybe he can catch a Cubs game while he's back yeah, there. I would, I'm expecting Connor to make an Olympic, Olympic team next summer yeah. and run the Olympic Marathon team. Absolutely. Shout out to Ed Eyestone and the staff of BYU Track and Field. Uh, and I talked to Ed last night, and he goes, hey, we're Big 12 ready. Yeah, We've been for the last five years. We, we BYU's going to go in as a contender. What, what sport are we missing? Because we, we keep talking about this. There's, there's a handful of sports. You know, we, we talk about football and basketball a lot, and we think that football has a chance to be competitive. Basketball, I think, is going to be a step up from last year. They're going to be better, but they're really young. Yeah. And so I think it's going to take a little bit, and that league is ridiculous. But track and field, both on the men's and women's side, cross country on the men's and women's side, women's soccer, women's volleyball, women's softball, um, they're all ready to go compete for a Big 12 championship first season, right out of the chute. Am I missing, am I missing a team? Uh, let's see. What do we, we got Softball, we got volleyball, we have a gymnastics. They're in there yeah. in that mix. Uh, That's soccer. right. Gymnastics is nationally ranked. Yeah. If men's volleyball was in it, we'd go, yeah, right they'll, to the top. They'll, they'll go right to the top of right that. Right to the top. The women's poll is out. Wait till you see that. We'll have that for you in just a yeah. couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, football is the talk of the town always here on the Wise Guys. Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, Texas, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday at AT&T Stadium. Seven teams going to face the media tomorrow. BYU, Texas, Baylor, TCU, Houston, Kansas, and Oklahoma State. The Cougars finish the regular season in Stillwater against the Cowboys. And they'll be represented by Kalani Sataki, quarterback Keaton Slovis, receiver Cody Epps, linebacker Ben Bywater, defensive end Tyler Batty, and punter Ryan Rico. What do you think will be the most popular question they are asked tomorrow. Oh, do you think you can compete at this new level? What's it going to be like playing, you know, P5 schedule every week? Every week? And, and I hope the guys say, we're not coming from a, a G5 league. We're, we've been playing an independent schedule, so not during the COVID year, but the last couple of years, we, you know, two years ago, we played seven P5s in a row. Um, so, yeah, this is a step up, but I, I just hope they go out and act confident and which I know they are yeah. behind the scenes, but at confident, like, yeah, we're, we're we here. feel like we're going to belong and we're going to be here. But I bet that's the question they get asked the most. And then Ryan Rico's going to get asked, well, you're the punter. <laughs> I thought you were the defensive. Ryan, Ryan looks like he could play DN. <laughs> he is, he's not only big. Um, he's like big ripped athletic looking. Like he looks like he could play defensive end or big, big oh, yeah. outside backer. Um, and one, be, of the, one of be, the strongest legs in college football. He, he's an NFL guy. And he'd be nationally ranked as a punter, except he hasn't punted enough yeah, the last two B, years. BYU's offense has been that good the last couple of years. It's not but, good for punting. Yeah, and then, you know, and, and everybody's going to want to know what Keaton Slovis thinks about the new experience because mm -hmm. he's a USC, then Pitt guy, and now, now at BYU. How's he settling in? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Keaton will be a, a popular figure there, and I think Ryan Rico will be popular just by his sheer size when they find out he's a punter. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark is going to deliver his state of the Big 12 to kick off the proceedings at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. That's tomorrow. BYU TV, we've been assigned locker room D. We'll have access to everybody. And then on Thursday, seven more teams come into the spotlight. Yeah. Oklahoma, Central Florida, Kansas State, 
Texas Tech, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and Iowa State, BYU Sports Nation with coverage, the BYU TV Sports social media sites, ESPNU has wall-to-wall coverage. Um, This is different. In 2010, when we were at the Mountain West meetings, it was not wall-to-wall coverage. No. It was BYU TV, and that was it. And now we're in the big time. Yeah, it's it'll it'll be a fun experience. Uh, uh, the coaching staff. This is the one time of the year they get to take a little bit of time off. So Kalani's had a little bit of time to get with Timberly and the family and to relax just a little bit. I know he had to be back in New York City for something a commitment he had there, and then yeah, I saw a picture of him eating a shrimp cocktail. I don't know if that was yeah. the commitment. Yeah, he had to be there. No, <laughs> he's got a commitment there. Um, and remember, Kalani does a lot of stuff with his charities and and been a big part mm-hmm. of, of Manhattan and underprivileged youth in Manhattan. So he had to be back in New York. They, they got a little vacation. He was back in New York, and now he's uh, he's headed down to Dallas for these meetings. Um, and the rest of the staff, for the most part, has a chance to just kind of relax, clear their heads, which they need. Yeah, because you have to. They, they work 60, 70 hours a week year-round because as soon as football ends, recruiting starts. And football never ended. Right, right? And, and recruiting never really ends, really. And spring, and then the portal, and then the grad and, transfers. And, and, and then everybody forgets when the high school camps are here, that's a huge recruiting tool and evaluation tool. So these coaches are out there all day long with the youth um, watching them and evaluating them and, and recruiting, basically. Um, so it really doesn't stop. They get about two weeks in the month of July to actually clear their heads and get themselves ready to go again. Cleanse, in cleanse the palate. Yep. And so that's what they're doing. Klein's been doing that a little bit, but he doesn't get as long because he's got to run down to media days. So. <laughs> well, we've had a week now to digest the Big 12 media poll. Uh, Texas is number one, as many expect. Texas is coached by Steve Sarkeesian, mm-hmm. BYU's uh, great quarterback. Um, and then you got Kansas State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech at number four, TCU number five. They were in the national championship game last year Baylor at six Oklahoma State UCF up at eight Kansas BYU's big 12 opener is at nine Iowa State's at 10 and there's BYU at 11 ahead of Houston Cincinnati and West Virginia uh the more I've thought about it the more I think there's really not a difference between eight and 14 um so maybe 11 is fine to start with uh you know what no one really knows what's going to happen in this group. Well, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, and and you were you were digging into some research that you sent over to me and said, "Hey, take take a look at this. This is um and so so this is 100% credited to to Dave McCann. We don't have a crack research team. Our no. crack research team is Dave and Blaine. With an emphasis but, on cracks. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so what Dave noted was last year not only did TCU not receive a single vote in the preseason AP poll, so not one vote for, um, to be a top 25 team. And that means your coach didn't even vote for you. Right, for the so vote. nobody not, not voted even your for beat them the top 25. It's like, come on. <laughs> they were picked seventh in the Big 12, and they made it to the college football championship game. They finished number two in the country last year, and they weren't. they were number seven in the league. And they were not preseason ranked. Had they won the championship game, they got hammered by Georgia. Had they won that, that would be the equivalent of Kenneth Rooks falling down, getting up, and that, winning the. That would be a, a been very. <laughs> but they got killed by Georgia, so we can't. We, we right. have to throw it out. And, and here's the thing: like people talk about, hey, what about '84 BYU? They were they came right out of nowhere. We finished the season before ranked number seven. Right, and you were number one. The team was number one going into the bowl game. Right, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. It's just you just didn't lose. Right, and so and so we went out and then we won against Pitt, who ended up having a bunch of injuries, but they were preseason number two. And we beat them on the road, so we didn't. 
We didn't come from as nowhere as TCU did to play in that championship game. Yeah. I mean, and, that was, and that we was came from a conference where most of the country go, oh, yeah, well, they should yeah. win. Yeah. TCU came from a conference that voted them seventh. They voted them seventh. So don't feel so bad that BYU's 11th. And then, then let's look at 2021. Baylor didn't receive any preseason votes in the AP. They were picked to finish eighth in the Big 12, and they won the conference and the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. So... How about that? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> nice job, it Baylor. It seems like you should be ranked seventh or higher if you if you really want to have a great season. So now. if you're doing the math, if BYU's 11th and 7th is going to win it, that would move the Cougars up into bowl contention in the top eight spots. We'd take that. Yeah, and hey, remember in 2022, Baylor was picked to win the league and BYU beat them in double overtime in Provo in the opener. Yeah, that was so, sweet. So, yeah, I'm not sure that this poll means a lot, especially with a, a lot of unknowns. I, You know, hey, I'm not going to argue with Kansas State and Tech. Kansas is loaded on defense, and they got a lot of folks back. But guess what? BYU doesn't play Kansas State this year. No. Which, when I looked at that schedule, I actually think Kansas State has a chance to win that league. I picked Kansas State in the yeah. poll to and, win the league. And so they don't play Kansas State. I'm not going to argue with Texas as number one. They are loaded with talent and seem to be coming back with a lot of momentum because they played well down the street. So I, so I, but, but Oklahoma, to me, Still has a ton of question marks. Yeah. They lost a ton of players when their coach left. I don't know that they've recovered from that. And they, they didn't have a winning season last year. Oklahoma. And then, then Texas Tech, I think they're as good as they've been in a long time. But who knows with Texas Tech? No really one. skilled on offense, not so sure on defense. TCU loses some really key players and production on offense. Uh, Max Duggan, who was a phenomenal leader, is no longer there. And remember, he wasn't the starter to start the season last year. It's like replacing Ty Detmer. It wasn't yeah. easy. Yeah, it's, it's not. He, he is such a presence. They lose their top two uh, running backs. They, they lose their top three receivers. So they're going to have a lot of really skilled, really talented players to reload on, on, on the defensive side. BYU, BYU's played Baylor the last couple of years. They match up toe-to-toe with them just fine. They just beat them the last time they played when they picked to win the league. It's going to be exciting. And then Oklahoma State's got a ton of questions. So I just... Yeah, okay, I'm okay with Texas and Kansas State. To me, 3 through 12, I don't know. 3 through 13? Yeah, I don't think anyone does, and that's why you look at that. And, and uh, if you're West Virginia, you were picked 14th. You're like, yeah. uh, does, does anybody know what, about us, yeah. or are we that bad? It, it can't be, you, when you're picked 14th out of 14 and you're, a, you're an incumbent in the conference, Right, you're not one of the yeah. four new teams. That that surprised me, and uh, and we'll see we'll see what well, and how I, it shakes out this week when people are talking about it down in Texas. But uh, mostly we'll see it when it shakes out in September. Yeah, Neil Brown, the coach there, fourteen and twenty one since he's been the head coach at West Virginia. They were five and seven last year. Quarterback position is up in the air. Whenever you say the position's up in the air, still after spring ball, it's up in the air. That's up in the air. <laughs> then your team's up in the air, right? Yeah. And so so they've got that going. Um, you know it. It's probably going to be Garrett Green, um, a junior. Um, so the one thing they've got going for them is they got all five offensive linemen coming back. That's the yeah. best thing that they've got going for them. But they have not have su- had success in this league in the last couple of years. And that's why everybody has them at 14. They just haven't been able to progress the last couple of years. So um, who knows? Who Cougar knows? Stats, at Cougar Stats, tweeted out the overall records of the four newcomers to the Big 12 against teams from the Big 12. BYU six and three, mm-hmm. Cincinnati one and three, Houston four and thirteen, and UCF one and four, and and of course BYU comes in with uh, with wins over Texas. They're two and zero oh against Oklahoma. They're four and one against their six wins. Texas and Oklahoma. 
Yeah, and, here, and they got a Kansas State win in there. And here's the thing for, for BYU. As, as I mentioned, I hope the players go to media day tomorrow and have this me- mentality. They're not coming from a G5 league. They've been playing in independence, and they've been playing P5s five to seven of those a year the last several years. Um, two years ago is probably the best example because we crowned them the Pac-12 champion because they went undefeated in the Pac-12 that year, and they beat the Pac-12 champion. Yeah. Um, so I think there should be a banner in Lavelle <laughs> Edwards that they won the Pac-12 two years ago. But it, it's it's a little bit different. Um we're Cincinnati, Houston. Now, Cincinnati's been playing at a really high level, and they've been taking on all comers. But but you know what? They've been playing two in the preseason, P5 hey, teams. Their head coach is at Wisconsin. Yeah, they've been playing two P5 teams, and then they've been playing, you know, uh, an American Athletic Conference AAC schedule the rest of the year. So all G5s. And then they've done pretty well in, in bowl games or in, in the playoffs. But they, they have not played, nor has Houston or Central Florida, the type of schedule BYU has played, especially over the last four to five years. Lee Kamard's going to join us in a couple of minutes. Uh, some more football notes, and we'll be back with more football later. Big 12 coaches, Dean Strack of CBS Sports. I, sometimes I think these guys get up in the morning and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rank some guys. <laughs> so he decides he's going to rank the Big 12 football coaches. Sonny Dykes, he's got it number one for what he's done. Steve Sarkeesian is number eight. And Kalani Sataki right behind him at number nine. What do you think of those? Uh, it's it's just so hard to even think. Like, I, where, did he have Mike Gundy at number two? I don't. Where, where does you know? Because Gundy's been in the league probably the longest. Sonny, I, know, I didn't write the fourteen. I yeah, just, so, I just Sonny, Sonny did a really nice job um, coming in and immediately putting TCU on the map. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, you have a hard time arguing with that. They just played in the national championship game this last year, so let's give it to him. Give right? it to him, and then Sark um, at eight and, and Kalani and, at nine. And I think with Sark, they're looking at him going, okay, it's early on. The team is loaded with talent. They're picked to win the league this year. Um, if, if Sark can you know, manage and engineer that group and keep them playing like a team, they go and win a championship and they're ranked in the top five, then, then he's going to vault right up, up to the top of that. But that's, that's why the question mark's out. They've always had talent and not won before he was there. Now he's been there a couple years, and they're loaded with talent. It's going to be hard. There is no question that Texas – by a mile is the most talented team in the league. Here's what's interesting is the rest of the teams, especially the incumbents, have one more shot against Texas. Right. Period. After all these years, every week, you know, people get up for Texas anyway, just like the Mountain West teams got up for BYU. But every week, Texas is going to have to play like a champion. They haven't done that for a long, long time. Right. Um, they're, they're stacked on paper and all that stuff, but, but it is the Super Bowl for all those teams that have grown to hate them over the years. And I don't think they come through that unscathed. Yeah, Some hard, people, they're going to go 11-1. and one. I don't think it's so. It's hard to do, and it's a good league. And you know, for Kalani, so he comes in at number nine. That's a lot of respect, considering there's 14 teams in the league, to have yep. him at number nine. But you know what? The, the, you know, they're going to look at and go, okay, BYU is picked to be 11th. If Kalani Sataki can finish in the top four in that league, he immediately, his credibility is going to go up with everybody. They'll have him in the top three yeah, if, if, they, sure. if, they can, if they can be a top four team in their first year in this league. Kingsley Suamataia, 6'6", 313 pounds, redshirt sophomore, offensive left tackle. He's named the All-Big 12 preseason team by the conference media, one of 29 guys to get the honor, 15 on offense, 14 on defense and ESPN's NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed along with former specialist Todd McShay both project Kingsley as a first round draft pick in April's draft so let's think about this for a second picture it if you will you got Kingsley at one tackle spot uh, at 6'6 315 then you got Caleb Etienne 
at uh, 68310. Then you throw in 65, 312 pound Connor Pay at the center, and you can see why 63, 230 pound Aiden Robbins can't wait to get the football. If, if we were ranking position groups, I think the average media person in the Big 12 that doesn't know BYU that well yet, I don't know where they would put BYU if, with their offensive line. BYU may this next year have the best offensive line in the Big 12 because, because of the transfer portal primarily. But, but the pieces they have coming back from inside are really, really skilled and big and physical, right? And then, then you add guys like Paul Miley, a three-year starter at, at Utah, and, and you add Etienne, who's a three-year starter at Oklahoma State and just wanting a new venue. Um, uh, this, you Mark my words – more than one BYU offensive line will be on the All-Big 12 team. And there's multiple NFL draft picks in that program on the offensive line. They, before that season is over, do not be surprised if people start talking about BYU's offensive line as the best offensive line in the Big 12. I really feel that way after watching them through spring ball, watching the people they brought in and looking at that depth. If they can stay relatively healthy, it, it could be a dominating group up front. And, and if you're right. Now you got Aiden Robbins, who's a 1,000-yard rusher, who didn't have that much talent in front of him, running against teams that said, okay, we're, we're going to stop that guy. Remember Kelly Papinga told us, we went into the game against UNLV, and Boise State was a top 20 defense in the country, top 10 mm-hmm. rush defense. And they said, they've got nobody else. All we're going to do is stop that guy. And he ran for 100-plus yards against him. Yeah. He's, he's really good. You put him behind what BYU's got. BYU may run the ball more than people think this fall. I think so. Because they have the ability to do it. And, and, and Robbins is a beast and yeah. healthy and ready to go. We'll see him in a couple of weeks uh, at camp. Uh, the national rankings, West Coast CFB listed the total AP appearances since 1980 for the new Big 12. And that takes out Oklahoma and Texas. They leave after next year. The new Big 12. Of the top five, five is TCU. They've been ranked 185 mm-hmm. times since 1980. Kansas State is four with 224. Oklahoma State is three at 248. West Virginia, they are second with 251. And number one is BYU with 254 appearances in the AP Top 25 since 1980. Yeah. It's always good when they go back to 1980. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, just, they just dip in to make sure your era is represented. Yes. Because you guys I, were ranked the whole time. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, we were ranked. I don't remember us not being ranked no, when I was. I don't but, either. Well, do you know what? Steve, Steve's, Steve's Young's uh, junior year, we were 8-4 and four that year. I, I, we were ranked part of that year, but we weren't ranked the whole right. year. And then, then the next year, they but then came the next back. year they came out, lost to Baylor in the opener on the road, and then won the rest, and then won eleven straight, and then we won thirteen straight, and then I don't know how many straight. Like it's just like we didn't think we were ever going to lose again, and we <laughs> were perennially in the top ten. Let's go over some key BYU dates as we bring Lee Kamard uh, in with us um, tomorrow and Thursday, Big Twelve Media Days in Arlington, Texas, July eighteenth. NFL training camps open. That's in seven days as the rookies start to report. Then July 25th, after further review, kicks off its 10th season on BYU TV. We focus on the dangerous duos. We'll break that down in great detail next week as we look at Puka Nakua and Jaron Hall. Fifth-round draft picks and, and were human highlight reels in their time at BYU. The Cougars report August 2nd. Camp begins on the 3rd. Also on the 3rd, Jets and Browns play the NFL Hall of Fame game on NBC. That's just in 23 days. Cougar kickoff is on August 16th from 6 to 9, Mountain Time at the SAB practice fields with the fall sports. And then it begins September 2nd, Sam Houston at BYU 
8.15 p.m. Mountain Time on FS1. Just some dates to pass the time as we march through through the summer. Our guest tonight uh, has a unique place in BYU history. Not only was he a six foot seven star player on the men's basketball team and two-time first-team All-Mountain West Conference and the 2008 Co-Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. He's also a major player in the women's basketball program as an assistant coach. Fresh off the plane from a recruiting trip, it is our pleasure to welcome Lee Kamard to the Wise Guys. We've been working on getting you here for some time. Today is the day. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I've been waiting for my chance to come down here and talk with you guys. Uh, Look, let's jump right into it. You're out recruiting kids. We can't talk about the names yet, so we'll wait for them to make their commitments down the road. But how is BYU women's basketball being uh, represented or what, what's the feel? What, what do you get back from the kids you're looking at today around the country? Uh, it was a great weekend. Saw a lot of good talent. There's a lot of good talent in the state and in the region, which is exciting. A lot of talent that has ties to BYU, which is always a bonus. Um, but I was in Chicago and in Omaha and saw a lot of good players and really looking forward to recruiting you know, obviously the 24 class, uh, you guys had the, uh, you had somebody on Yes, here. we did. Yeah. You had See, we can say here. the name. We you can, can do it, but when but you're on, we can't. Sure. You, you, you know, and we got some other really good players in that class. And then the 25 and 26 class and even some 27s that we just met as a staff, came off the plane, went straight to staff meeting, talking about all the kids that we saw and the talents that's there and, and getting excited for it. It's, it has, have you noticed a difference with the Big 12 moniker on and the, the type of talent that will listen to you when you're Absolutely. recruiting. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's, it's awesome because you used to sit at games and be like, oh, I want to recruit that kid. And then you're like, oh, we're in the WCC. You know, and now, even if they don't have a tie to the university, we're right in the mix, at least to start the process, right? Hey, what do you guys think about BYU? You know, talk to their people, talk to them. And kind of go from there. And having those conversations with really good players is a lot of fun. And when you're out recruiting, you tend to watch the real games now and not just some of the side games. And that's yeah. also a lot of fun. We're going to dive into a bunch of stuff with Lee Kamard. Uh, BYU Football Media Days tomorrow <laughs> and the next day. You heard, you heard us talking about it before you came in. What, what are you most looking forward to hearing? I know you're a football fan. What what do you what do you want to hear as they march toward this first big season? I just I'm excited for just the the build up to the season and the hype and, and I hope they do really well because that just carries over into every other uh, athletic program here. The fall gets a start of a women's volleyball and, and and football especially, and then as they're really successful. The vibe and just in the city on campus is great. I am going to watch how Kingsley plays out because he's he's pretty close to some one of the girls on yeah, our team. He, he yeah. Very so, much right. is. Yeah. So we'll, right. we'll follow that closely. <laughs> but just wish Kalani and his guys all the best because it, it has such an impact on the rest of us. So when you were here making baskets, Max Hall was over there sure. winning his quarterback in school history. And that had a that momentum you could feel come over no to the Maritime. No doubt Center. about it. And, and that era, like from 06 to 2010 with Bronco and Dave both starting and John Beck and Harleen and those guys and then Max and Harvey and those guys. It, and then we had some stuff going yeah. as well. And it was just a fun time. Very similar, it feels like, recently at BYU where all the programs are doing really well, competing for championships. 
and it just makes the college experience for the athletes, but also everybody on campus that much better. Fans like it. It's, it's, it's really interesting because I feel like it's gone in in waves, and and you you're basically saying. All tie, you know, the, the tide raises all the ships. So as you get good, it seems like all of the programs get good. I'll go all the way back. We, I usually don't say on the show, "Hey, when I played," but 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 back in the eighties, I'm going to do it. Later. So I'm, I'm going to say, got Rico but, but, right but here, back, Uncle Rico." No, back in the eighties when we were we were currently top ten in in football. This is when Danny and those guys were running around, and Michael Smith and Jeff Chapman, those guys in basketball, we were nationally ranked in basketball. We had Wally Joyner and Corey Snyder and Rick Aguilar and all these guys coming through playing in College World Series in baseball, and and it just seemed like you just fed off of one another. Um, and I love to hear you say that you get you you get that feel as we go yeah, into the Big no, Twelve. No it's time it. for all of those to to help each other. And when when I was here, and, and it's kind of ebbed and flow, like you said, but. The athletic department always does a good job of putting those conference championships outside of the SAB where everybody can see them. It yeah. seems like when I was here and then recently, there's a lot of those going up, you know, track winning national championships and volleyball, men's and women's doing big things. It's just it's just a fun time. It's interesting too. the students um, expect their peers to win. <laughs> you know, they go to Southfield. They expect to go watch the soccer team win. And sure. they're disappointed when they lose. Uh, and that hasn't always been the case. And it's certainly not that way uh, on campuses uh, all over the country where this level of uh, you never go to a women's volleyball game expecting to lose or men's volleyball, soccer. Uh, the, the fans that have started to fill the lower bowl of the Marriott Center for women's basketball expect to win. Right. They expect to hear the fight song the whole time. And, and so the, the disappointment is that that the, the, the team didn't win as opposed to, um, well, we didn't think we were going to win anyway. Sure. The, the, the level is right here with the coaches, the players, and then maybe a little bit higher uh, the fans. Sure. And, and what I hope for all these athletes is they get to experience college to some level that I got to experience it where that whole vibe on campus is that like to go to a football game. And you get to rush the field, right? Because you don't get to do that when you're a player. But like you're a fan for a moment, you yeah. get to go and rush the field. Or being in the Smithfield House with five thousand or whatever they get there for a big volleyball match, like the whole college experience just changes when all that's happening. So it's really fun. You know, sp specific to, to women's basketball, we, we've had Amber on a couple of times. We get a chance to talk to her. We had her on our uh, show the other day um, over at the Cougar. The what was that? Big Twelve kickoff show. Day. Amber Amber came on with us and. And she characterized this group that you guys have. She said, listen, you know, we talk about programs that are ready right now, like women's soccer. They, they should go win the championship this year. They compete for national championships every year, right? There's some programs like that. She said, and I'm, quote, I'm not quoting her directly, but um, I really like our talent. Like, I really, like we're going to be young this year with a lot of new faces, but I really like the talent we've assembled and, and and we mentioned some of those new faces but but there's also some some veterans coming back lauren gustin that was a big recruiting job to get lauren <laughs> to come back right yeah. i know you were involved in that anani falte is back um you, you, we've we've got a couple of um good international players out of new zealand that are coming back on the guard line how important though are lauren gustin and nani Faltea? Um, to bring this team together with all these new faces that you've got as you move into the Big 12? Super important. I mean, for obvious reasons, the statistics, and but the experience now, I mean, Lauren's basically played every minute she's been at BYU 
And so that experience is so beneficial for everybody else to be able to lean on, right? And Kay- Kaylee Smiler as well has played a ton of minutes. So this young group that's coming in can lean on them. And then Nani and the, the reps that she got, the game reps that she got last year in big moments, late game, you know, is going to be super important to be able to help you know, just just kind of take over a game at times because we do have a lot of pieces coming in, and we like the core that is coming back right. too. So, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, we now have some depth, and we don't need to get too far into it. But the timing of everything last year really hurt the ability to secure some of the depth going into last season. Right. And then Shaley's timing wasn't the best for us. Right. Um, and wish her the best. Love Shaley to death, but. So we felt like we didn't have the depth that we wanted to last year. Um, and now we feel like we've kind of solidified that a little bit more, a lot more, as well as have great pieces coming back and a few really good pieces coming in. For a, for a while, it looked like you had like 25 players on the roster. It's like Harry said, there's <laughs> we, only five that can play. We did. <laughs> um, so of these newcomers, who are you most intrigued about? Uh, there's Amari Whiting. There's Kaylee Woolston. Uh, who's fantastic score at Alone mm-hmm. Peak just down the road. Uh, Janice Solomon, who's 6'3". Uh, Aliyah Mataveo, uh, Ashala Mosberry coming from junior college. All right, that's a group of newcomers. Who's most intriguing in that group? You're going to make me pick somebody? Yeah, I mean, come why on. not? It's a, you can take I mean, a couple. Uh, the, the, you, you failed to mention the, the girl from Spain, Marina, who just oh, had that's a, right. a great... That's right. I don't know uh, if the word failed, but, sure. but there's so many names. Uh, just add better to the list. I think, I, I think the biggest thing, because I'm not going to pick one individual <laughs> person. You know that. Well, you know, the word but, intrigue doesn't mean your favorite or but, best. But, but, but you got some winners that are coming, okay? Yeah. Aliyah Monteveo, right? Gatorade Player of the Year two years in a row in Las Vegas. Not anywhere but, but Las Vegas. Gatorade right? Player of the Year seems to be a prerequisite now for any of Kaylee these Kaylee Wilson, same thing. Yeah. State championship winner. Amari, Gatorade Player of the Year, right. state championship winner. Right. So we have some winners that are coming in, and they're hoopers. Like, they just want to be in the gym. Same thing with the international girls. And they just want to be in the gym, and it's fun. We've gotten a chance to, to visit with Mari quite a bit. So she's really fun to be around. And she's coming back from an injury. The thing that stands out to me about her is just kind of that swagger that she carries about her. Like, she knows she's a baller. She knows she can compete. Uh, well, she'll she, tell you, too. Yeah, she's determined. <laughs> like, you, you just you feel from her. Talk to her for five minutes and you feel like she just loves competition and wants to be in the middle of it. Uh, am, I, am I on the mark with her? And isn't that something that you got to have when you're playing in a league no, like this? No doubt about it. I think she's got a lot of great talent in various areas on a basketball court. But I think her biggest strength, and she'll improve in everything, but she plays harder than anybody. She competes at a level that's unmatched, honestly. And right. it's just going to lift everybody because she doesn't want to lose and we got a lot of those girls, but her level of competition is unmatched. What are you uh, most impressed about uh, when it comes to her mother, Amber, and her 13 months of recruiting uh, as, a, well, as the, the head coach? The, the track, Sorry, what, what, what the are you impressed? The track record right now is speaking for itself. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have to, you know, we got a great recruiting class. I don't know where you end up rank-wise, but I know it was top 25. And then we've landed some yeah. pretty good pieces in the pipeline for the future. Um, and now I feel like 
it's about building a roster, you know, and you got some pillars in there and but but we gotta we gotta win now and, and always to to continue with that pipeline. Um she I know where Amari gets that competitiveness, right? Definitely from Amber. She's feisty and she likes to get after it. Um and just the track record, you know. Speaking for itself. I, I, it's, fu- it's funny that you say that Amber, because I, I agree, Amber also gives you that vibe. We, we were with them both, with both of them a couple couple weeks ago, also with Trent. And I don't know why I felt like I had to tell them this, but I was like, hey, I had to tell you. Because they talk about their family and how they have shoot-offs all the time. Like, Trent's the best at this. Amari's the best at that. Amber's the best at this. And, uh, and I said, hey, I haven't picked up a basketball in like six months. And we had a family 31 competition. My grandson beat me. Amari looked at me with so much disgust and Amber just shook her head like, oh, you're like, I was worthless. Yeah, I was like, God, that's not how they roll. I, I love the way they roll yeah. with that. Um, this year, you, you talk about putting all these pieces together and it's a big job for you and Amber to get to get these guys to play. Well, this European trip you have from August 14th, 24th in Europe. Fun to have Trent along with you. Uh, uh, Amber's husband who played in Italy for a long time over there. What are the goals for this trip um, with so many new faces? Uh, it's a business trip. Uh, Amber, well, we have a little meeting tomorrow night as a team over dinner about this trip specifically. And I was just looking over the slides that's being presented. And the first thing, first slide is business trip, right? I, I think that, I don't think, I know Amber's only given the families uh, the, the dates and the cities that we play games in, and then the rest of it is for for our group, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, hey, this is a trip for us to come together, get a little closer. I'm not necessarily sure it's good to have Trent with us, but we'll let him chaperone. <laughs> um, I hope he hears that too. Um, he but, will. But, hey, but, it, but it is specifically for that, right? Yeah, we're going to go over there and compete and play three games. Um, but, but it is... To, to bring that group closer together. And I honestly was talking to Paisley Harding today. She's like, you guys are going on that trip, and it's just such a good thing to bring the team closer together. And that was the year that they beat Auburn in the first round of the tournament. They won the West Coast Conference tournament and then end up losing to Stanford. But she's like, it was so important, that trip, to bring us and unite us a little bit. And that's the biggest thing from this. Yeah, we're going to have fun, and we're going to make memories, and we're going to compete. But hopefully during those 10 days that this group – and I know it will happen because it's already happening. It's a, it's a really close group. Amari, uh, one of the highest rated uh, players to ever come to BYU, is, is coming off her ACL. And, um, and, and we asked Amber this question, so we'll ask you too, is, is how much is too much playing time? How little <laughs> is too little for a player that – she seems like she's going to be good enough to play four years, four years in a row. I, I don't know how, how much you play her right away coming off that knee injury, but – but it's next month where you get to see her on the floor. What, what are you, sure. How are you going to manage I, I that? I think that based on the conversation, you know how she, Amari wants to approach it. She's ready to go right now. Right. And Amber's a little bit that way. Us as a staff are like, hey, you know, <laughs> all that matters is when we start in November, right? Let's, right? let's make sure we do this right, build a solid foundation, strengthen around that knee and the knee, and and. Let's, let's make sure that it's it's ready when it's time to be ready. So you're gonna you're gonna get up and give her the hook if you feel oh, no like she's been in there. Uh, here's the thing, <laughs> Jeff Hurst will definitely give her the hook for sure. I'm not worried about that. I won't have to. That's great. Well, we're excited to see her just just to just to yeah. see her go. 
Yeah, yeah it'll, be, it'll be fun. Um, let, let's switch to, we want to talk a little bit about the glory days. <laughs> yeah, the glory we're talking, days. Now we're ready to talk about you, the good um, stuff. 2005, 2009, um, what was it like uh, to be in that position that you were in, that you were in at that time? Hey, you were the big guy on campus. You, you were the focal point of things we were doing on the defensive end, on the offensive end, on our very successful run for this basketball program. What was that like? It was great. I mean, I went in like four years, and like I said, the whole campus was jumping, and football was good, and all the sports were good. And when we came in, Dave's first year, is, it was my freshman year, and we just, you know, we started at the bottom. We were just climbing the mountain the whole time, and that's such a fun climb. Like, and then – like, like we kept outdoing expectations year in year out, and to exceed expectations is super enjoyable. And then like that brotherhood that's built in those four years, and it's I mean can't explain it. Great time. I wish I would have done a few other things in those four years, but wouldn't trade it for anything. Try to explain this. Um, what does it feel like to be unstoppable? <laughs> and, and we're not calling you Michael Jordan, but we, we both watch your career. Um, there were times where no one could stop you. What, what is that feeling like? Uh, I don't know if that was really the case, but. Well, you look there, at the first of all, there's a couple there, you look at the stats sure. and we're going to show some in a minute uh, and the performances. So, yes, it is. Uh, so so there, there were a few games that, that were a lot of fun. Okay, my career high was against Long Beach State. First first game of the season against Long Beach State, like thirty seven or something. And uh, that was a that was a wonderful night. Um, but but I still play ball in the mornings, and I'm still unstoppable with the group that plays with us. <laughs> yeah, but you got to pick those. Guys. Shout out to Santiago and Ryan Smith and the uh, boys. Yeah, but, but, uh, what, what is that? Ryan feeling, actually though? has more game than people. Oh, realize. He's, got, he's got a lot of game. He, he never sees a shot he doesn't like, but yeah. he's he's got a lot of game. Tap so. into the tap into what what does that confidence feel like? Well, it's, you, you it's, just get in this area like a rhythm, and I saw it my sophomore year. I saw it with Keenan Young. Yeah. Okay. We could run a play, called it strong four. It was his play. Everybody knew it, and he literally couldn't be stopped. And then that next summer, we went to France as a team, and um, and granted, like we had a lot of we had really good players too, yeah. right? Like Trent Allig got drafted, Jimmer and Jackson and Talvin, like. So you just get in this nice rhythm where you fill your role and then you just start um, expanding it, right? Where on that trip to France, I got to catch the ball in the mid post and isolate like Keenan Young used to do and just try to be efficient with it and not force things. And But at the end of the day, that group wanted to win and – everything else kind of fell into pieces. And that, that's my message to the girls since I've been on the women's side. And even when I was coaching on the men's side, like, guys, there's a big enough pie here for everybody to get out of this what they want. may not be right now this second, right. but you buy in and sacrifice for your group, it pays off long term. You know, we're going to go through some of your stats. And stats. a lot of stats are slanted offensively, no matter what, you know, because – for some reason, people don't care as much about the defensive side of things. Um, you know, you, you are number 13 all-time in steals, right? But um, your game was on both sides of the floor. There, there were times when you were asked to go defend out on the perimeter their best offensive threat. At the same time, being a scorer, how, how difficult is that to be both ends 
of the floor type of a guy. Because Jimmer kind of, when he when Jimmer was Jimmer, he just got to focus on offense. Sure, he didn't sure, have to. Sure. It's like, let Jackson go cover guys, sure, right? Sure. You, you do this. But you literally had games when you were supposed to carry the scoring load and also defend the best perimeter offensive player on the other team. I, I, I think the difference, obviously, Jimmer is 20 times better offensive player than I ever was. But, but like, I got into where I was at through the defensive side of the ball. So I kind of came up defensively and then got to expand my role offensively. That sophomore year, back to Keenan Young being the conference player of the year, I played the most minutes, and my role was, hey, make open shots and then guard the best perimeter player. That to this day is my favorite season I've had either ever, collegiately, high school-wise. And I played on some really great teams and fun teams, but I really thoroughly enjoyed that group the most. And that year was fun because we, we just – did things we, we nobody thought we could, and but but that's what I would say. Like I came up having to play focus on the defensive end to get on the court, and then that junior and senior year I was able to expand the role offensively. It's it's hard, and honestly, my senior year I know I slipped a little defensively for whatever reason. And me and Coach Warrenberg talk about that occasionally. <laughs> um, but but uh, yeah, it, it's it's just a competitive side, you know. Lee Kamard is with us on the Wise Guys tonight uh, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. Let's go. Uh, let's run down some numbers here. And, and if this is where the show gets awkward for you, then, then just so be it. But uh, He can own this stuff. You're number <laughs> he three, can own this. Number three in consecutive games played in BYU history with 131. Do you know who's number one? Charles Abu. Yeah, yeah, with 141. Yep. He got you by 10. But that's number three all time. And these are real-time numbers. Uh, here as we sit in 2023. Number 16 in scoring with 1,569 points. Number 11 in three-point baskets, 153. I'm sure there were a couple you passed off on that you'd like to have back. <laughs> Number four in school history and free throw percentage at 884, 84%. Number 11 in assists, Blaine mentioned number three in steel. So 372 uh, assists, number 13 in steals. You won 74% of your games, 97 wins. And you also won my favorite award, the Dale R. McCann Spirit of Sport Award. <laughs> That's right. Which is big for the family. Um, nice job. Yeah, when your boys read this someday, <laughs> they'll have a different perspective of like, really, Dad, were you that good? And fortunately, there's stuff on YouTube that, that uh, have your highlights. But, but that's a good career. What do you think about that? Great, great memories and I wish my boys were the age they are now when I was playing so yeah. they could see it. Um, all the offensive numbers will get wiped out because that's where the game is going. And if I played now, that three-point number would be probably close to double uh, with where the game's at. But the the consecutive games played, probably the my favorite of the ones you there and the winning one, um, 74% or whatever you said is 75%, 97 and uh, um, the 53-game winning streak at home was so much fun. And I, I cherish my four years. And like I said, I hope that the athletes, and this is all athletes at BYU, get to experience it to some level. Um, and, yeah, it was just a great time. Do, do you have a, a biggest basket 
that you can remember? <laughs> What's the biggest shot you ever made? And we know as, you as remember. A, Whatever it is, we know you remember. The one that comes to mind is the TCU one my freshman year tight to put us into overtime, and then we end up winning. And I think we were down six or eight with a minute three left, right. something like yeah. that. Coach, we still got a little argument about this, but <laughs> he didn't play me much. I, I, he puts me in because we needed a foul, and I didn't have any fouls, but felt like I played well enough to play in overtime and hit the shot. And then he didn't play me in overtime. What? So, oh, so, come on, Rose. <laughs> but, but, but that's probably the most memorable one for me. I, I do remember a play. I think it was against Colorado State. We're coming out of a timeout. It wasn't a, a shot, but Coach stopped me as we're leaving. He's like, hey, we need to meet you to make a play right now, and I got to steal. Uh, but, but just went in on the home floor, you know, cutting down nets in the Marriott Center, the, the locker room banter, and, you know, having some of the – general authorities in the locker room after big wins and watching San Diego State, who's really good, just quit in the second half because we ran him out of the gym. And just all those things, that's what, that's what matters. 53 straight home wins. Did you ever feel like you were going to lose at home? Was you just came out <laughs> of the locker room and thought, however this game goes, when it's over, we're going to have more points? Well, I, I, I'll tell you why that, that streak happened, okay? Coach Rose's first game in, in the Mary Center, we lost at Loyola Marymount. Okay? Yeah. We gave up. We seven, called that game. We gave That's up right. 17 yeah. offensive rebounds, and we came in the next day. <laughs> we never want to lose again after that. Okay, <laughs> there's a there's a, a conditioning term. It's called 17s, where you go sideline to sideline 17 times yeah. in a minute. And I'm not sure how many we actually ran that day, but. We knew what was expected at home, and we tried to do our best to not let that happen again. Well, you did pretty good. Message received <laughs> and fifty-three straight and executed. wins. Yeah. yeah, that 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 is something really, really special. Who's the most underrated teammate you ever played with? Oh man, that's you a play, hard. we played with some great ones that are pretty decorated. Yeah, but but is there somebody you think about? Man, this dude was so good, and nobody really recognizes how good he was. I would have to think about that one. There's so many good players. I don't think Keenan Young gets as much credit as he deserved. That season, uh, his senior year, my sophomore year, he was unstoppable. And you don't hear his name very much, probably because he's undersized. But what is he, 6'5"? Was he 6'5"? Six, six, five? Five, played the post. Played the four, and we'd just post him up, and he'd go get a basket. Yeah. And I think he shot like 61 or 62% from the field at that size. And he, he doesn't get enough credit. Do but you, I, but do I you know who talks about guy. him all the time? is Coach Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, Steve. Steve always credits Keeney Young. Yeah. Think, thinks he's one of the great players that has come through the program. It's yeah. interesting that you you'd say that there, too. There's, but the talent, the run that came through BYU from even with Coach Clee from the 2000 to you know till when I Coach Rose retired, just incredible talent. Mm -hmm. So many pros, so much uh, sacrifice for the team of guys that. I mean, Jimmy Balderson could have averaged 25 on almost any other team in the state. Yeah. And, you know, Jimmy, you owe me for that one, by the way. Um, <laughs> he could, but, he but, could but shoot But just it. so many talented guys that could – I mean, that team that made the run with Jimmer, you had like seven or eight pros on that team, some of them younger, but yeah. like just incredible. The size that came through as well, even the state of Utah, just the size of guys – it's just, just a fun, you know, it's just great. I'd feel a lot better with that group going into the Big 12 uh, <laughs> with the, the state of the conference that it's in for basketball on the men's side. Um, Mark Pope and his group trying to 
pull guys together, get some size in the portal, and we think they've done that to, to get ready for the first year. But what's coming? What's coming for year one for the men? Similar to us, I think the on a given night they could feel confident, especially if they're at home. Yeah. But 18 games, man, against P5 competition, there's no built-in wins. And the WC was, WCC was getting that way, but even then it was like, hey, we're, we're favored in majority of our games. And they're not going to be favored. In, in most of the road games, for you, sure. you have Gonzaga you know, every week yeah. in that in that and, league and on the men's so side. Just a depth, and 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 I was telling the staff this because I was talking with a guy who who coached at Rutgers. He was actually on the staff when we played him in the NCAA tournament. But he said, "You'll know you're ready for the league completely because games are Wednesday, Saturday for us. If you practice normal, the days in between the two games. If you practice normal between the two games, you'll know you have the roster where you want it to be." And you have the depth where you want it to be that you know your horses are going to be ready when that next game comes. And, and that's an interesting. interesting way to look at it because 18 against, I mean, literally the whole men and women, top 50 in the net. Like, mm-hmm. top 50. You know, part of it is the league that they're in, but good luck winning. It's where you want to be, but it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be. Um, it's going to be different for the fans, certainly yeah. different for the players and for the coaches. The, the, the Marriott Center Magic, though. That will that will help them a lot. Yeah, elev- these teams are coming to elevation, yep. playing in yep. a place that is just off the hook. Yep. you know, it's, no it's, doubt. Hey, but ask Gonzaga. Here, here's the right? one caveat: everybody in the Big Twelve is used to going into that environment because everywhere you go, yeah, it's mad. It's, it's good. It's, yeah. yeah, Kansas is a great home environment. Yep. Oklahoma State's a great home environment. Yep. TCU didn't used to be, but it's a lot it's, better. It, yeah. It's a lot better these days. Texas Tech will be live. Yeah. Like, yep. There's some there's some good places and fun places to play. Iowa State's actually really really, really good. good home. Both sides, men and women. Yep. It's, it's, yep. it's life in the in the big time. We've been talking on this show. It's it, it yeah. It's ominous, and for some sports, it's going to be super uphill. But uh, just think, if we weren't in the Big Twelve, and we're talking about another year in the WCC <laughs> with with all the movement in football and and in college sports, we'd be talking about being left out, left behind sure. when we're in this league. And so all that's gone, and in replaces the Goliath of opportunity here, and and we've been waiting twelve years for it. It's exciting. I mean, on every level to go in there and play in these storied venues, right? And in all sports, it's going to be so much fun. And and I I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyhow because we want to hear it from you. I know there's a jump right now. You love this talent you guys have already assembled. You keep going to get talent like that every year for the next couple of years. BYU can compete. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Both the men's and the women's side, right? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, the the track record's there. I mean, BYU, both men and women, track record's there. Storied program. History of winning, history of going to the NCAA tournament, history of winning conference championships, and that's the expectation, right? We're not we're not going into this like, hey guys, let's just finish top eight, you know? Like yeah. no, like we're trying to compete, and we know there's some Goliaths in the league, both men and women's side, and but that's why you play the game. Yeah. After seven seasons playing overseas, you started your coaching career with the BYU men in 2016. You move over to the women's program in 19. What was that transition like? And were you tempted to just stay with the men because you played with the men and that's what you know? What's it been like? Because you've, 
you've morphed into a very successful women's basketball coach. Is it the same? What, what's it been like for you? A lot of similarities. I, I'll tell you the, the, the two things I miss, at least to this point, okay? I miss the build-up to a big game, okay? And you get it a little bit on the women's side, and hopefully it's better in the Big 12 now. Um, but the build-up to a big game in, on the men's side, is something that's real and, and is missed. And then the, the, just the crowd. We've had Build a, up meaning the shoot around, the no, meal. No, just like the, 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 the whole, talk about the whole it week. week. Yeah. Like, like, it's like BYU playing Utah football, right? Like yeah. the whole week, same thing, right? When you're playing a big game and everybody knows it and it's a Thursday and you just came off a win against somebody Saturday and you have those four days getting ready for that Thursday, there's a vibe on campus. There's a vibe in the city. I miss that. Um, and we've had, a, like I said, a little bit. Uh, with either a Gonzaga or a Utah. I'm to, what what yeah. was the game that there was a game, a women's game that we called where the Marriott Center was? Yeah, it, the kids' we, games are exciting, yeah. but the buildup before. And so that brings me to the other thing. I missed a big crowd right. in the Marriott Center. And right. we've had a few, couple kids' games, this, the Gonzaga game against in home with senior yeah. night with Maria and Paisley. Yeah, and that Tegan. was that was the night that we were that, involved in. The senior That, that was, was a, a great phenomenal night. environment. Yeah. And honestly, well, uh, it wouldn't take much to feel that in the marriage center, especially the lower bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't got an experience like the men have gotten experience in. So hopefully the Big 12 will help that. Those are the two things that I miss from yeah. the men's side. Everything else is super similar. Conversation recruiting is a little bit different, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But you're still talking hoops. You're still trying to get to know the person and explain to them how, you know, what does BYU have to offer them. And, and vice versa, right? What do they bring to the so table? So as you're selling to parents and, yeah. and to the player, your BYU experience, even though it was on the men's side, yeah. in the different environment, that still resonates? No doubt about it, for sure. And and here's the thing. It's really hard, and it, and it happens, but it's hard to get somebody to come to BYU to this point that hasn't had a tie to BYU, right? right? In some way, either regionally or family member or a member of the or church. summer camp. Or, or, or yeah. has been on campus. Yeah. Right, so somebody that doesn't have a tie, the first thing we're trying to do is get them on campus so they can see it, right? Get them to a football game. They can see the energy, you know, or whatever, volleyball, whatever, and kind of go from there. But you're still explaining this is a first-class institution. Everything we do resource-wise is first-class. The athletic department is on board with that and wants that to be our brand. Academically, it's second to none for the most part. And it's just a great place to be a college student, right? Yeah. And then you dive into the X's and O's and how they feel and fit the team and what their role potentially is right away and, and long-term, you know, and just, you know, getting to know them. Kids nowadays, both men and women, they want to know you more than I ever wanted to know a coach. Like, really? Yeah, way more. Like, you know, they want that relationship and it's great, too, because you develop that and so many kids after a year or, and then you jump right back in and sometimes you never leave and you just always are in contact with them. Um, and relationships are super important, super important now. So other than that, I like the women's side. Yeah. And, and, and winning makes the conversation easier for those that don't have a tie, right? If you have... You go no out and, 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 and all of a sudden you're winning Big 12 championships, you're nationally ranked, and girls are going to the WNBA, then, then yeah. no, it doesn't matter whether they yeah. have a tie or not. And, and when I say have to have a tie, that was before the Big 12. Right. right? Now right. it's completely a 
free game. Like, because we we would talk to kids. You go watch a kid play, and you're like, okay, that's a no brainer. Let's let's talk to. Hey, thanks, thanks, coach, but I'm not coming to play in the WCC. You know, right? right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play in the Big Twelve or Pac Twelve if I'm gonna stay in the west side of the U.S. Or, or, or wherever I'm at, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, hey, I understand. You know, you want to play against the best competition. Now there's not that excuse for a recruit. Big 12, just like on the men's side, one or two every year in the women's net. Right. And it's nice to have a job doing what you like, right? So many people have jobs they don't like. They can't wait for the 5 o'clock hour to arrive <laughs> so they go home and have a life. Uh, we've been all fortunate to, to be in jobs that we enjoy. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, we see football players go to the USFL. Well, it's not the NFL. And it's like, hold it a second. That guy's getting paid to play. Yep. That's cool. And not everyone gets to do that. And so it's, it doesn't have to be this, but, but what, where we find happiness is doing what we want to do. Yep. And then get paid enough to have a life sure. while we're doing it. And uh, you've been able to do that. Sure. And Knock on wood, I, I have never worked a day in my life. So <laughs> you, you've worked hard, worked but really it wasn't hard. work no, in quotes, right? right? When you're playing, you got jet lag, you're playing you're basketball today, overseas, you know. that wasn't work. That was yep. that was work for fun, no. right? Yeah. Yeah, well our our wives all accuse us of not working yeah, they're for like, a living. Kind of, they're like, What kind of a job is this? And we're like, Hey, don't knock it. Let's do five <laughs> questions with Lee Kamar and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah. You ready? So these are the, these, these are tough. Yeah, we're gonna compare you to Amber. <laughs> so I'm way taller than her. <laughs> well, are you still six seven? He said you're six seven. Six seven. With shoes for sure. There with you shoes. Go. Hey, why is it that they measure basketball players with shoes and football players? They make them go barefooted, put their heels together, put their toes out, and put their head down and measure them. It's like... I'll say this. At Port Smith, after my senior year, I got measured with shoes on at 6'7". So there you go. That's what you're stuck okay. with. There you go. That's it. He's 6'7". <laughs> so, all right. All right. Favorite sports movie. Well, this we, By the way, we ask these to all our and guests. And we keep track of these, by the way. And we keep track. Oh, remember the Titans. Watched uh, it a hundred times. We least. just watched it over at Lavelle Edwards Stadium yeah. a couple yeah, weeks I ago. I think it Great. is the most popular sports movie for... You know, we've, we've been doing this new show just over a year, so we've had 50-some guests, and I think that is by far the most popular. For you, good reason. Do you think it's the story or the music or the football? What, what is it that makes that it's a just great a, movie? For me, it's the one-liners that you can have banter with, you know, that you, you talk to people. It's like Dumb and Dumber for comedies. Right. Like, you can say a line, and somebody's like, they're going to finish the line for you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. For me, the, the lines from... Remember the Titans, you know, or what make it the best for me. Yeah. Right. And, and this, remember the Titans based on a true story, right? Yeah. yeah. Which also, that always, I always like carry, that part. carries some weight. I don't like Mason. complete fantasy land unless I'm watching the Avengers. I mean, I, lo I love Rudy, and that's a human Great interest movie. story. And that's based on a true story. I think the sports stories that are Hoosiers, based on a true story. based on a true story. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. if I say left side. Right, a strong side. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. yeah. So, no, absolutely. Um, all right, favorite singer or band? Oh, man. Currently, probably spending the most time listening to Lee Bryce or Morgan Wallen. Oh, you're Lee like your country guy. I good like at, everything. But have you seen Lee live? No, I haven't. He's good live. Yeah. yeah. He's good live. No, those, those are two good country stars. So, have, you always been a, have you always been a country I like, guy? I literally like everything. So, From show tunes to hip-hop right. to So Lee Bryce. Yeah. yeah. Okay. These guys always say, they think I'm a weirdo. I'm like, I'm... I'm a kid from New York that grew up playing football and basketball. Like, of course, hip-hop is my yeah, genre. Yeah. You know? And listen, that's not the only 
But, I, my, but Brenda has Brenda and Dave to a certain extent. Well, and he likes heart, like he likes ACDC stuff. I'm all yeah. over. But, I'm all over. But Brenda and these guys have softened me. He 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 took me to a country concert um, down down in Keith the, Urban. And, yeah, to Keith Although Urban. It was kind of a rock concert. Yeah. Keith Urban's concert. a rocker, and the dudes are ridiculous. No, it's great. He did Stadium Fire last oh, yeah, two yeah. years ago. Awesome. Great. But but now these guys have me thinking country. I actually like might listen to some country once in a while. <laughs> hey, did you go to Stadium of Fire the other night? Yeah, Journey. Was, wasn't Journey awesome? I. A little bit too much solo guitar for me. Really? That's, but, that's but the that show genre. was great. The show yeah. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Neil Sean's going to get his time. No <laughs> that's matter <for> what. Sure. <laughs> okay, this is a really important one. Favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, first comes to mind is Lucky Charms. Lucky yes. Charms. See, here's what we're finding. High-level athletes love sugar cereal for breakfast, except for the Van Kyle Van Noy and Marissa. <laughs> and Ains had moved that's on true. to shredded Danny wheat. shredded wheat, but I found out a little behind the scenes afterwards that's because Michelle makes him eat that because okay. it's the heart problem. It's right? not his choice. But, um, but anyhow, Marissa and Kyle, they do smoothies, protein smoothies for the kids for breakfast. Which we're very all, healthy. We'll very all healthy. appreciate when they're playing linebacker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Fav- favorite ice cream? Uh, Nielsen's frozen custard, cherry chocolate chip. Cherry chocolate nice. chip. Nice. Hey, I have to tell you, I, I can tell a recruiting story if I don't name names, right? Yeah. So, they're, you know, when recruits come on campus, um, you tailor that visit to what they love, right? Sure. And so, um, there was a, a family on campus a couple weeks ago, football recruiting. And they, they said, hey, before we get going, we've got all this stuff lined up. What do you want to do most on this recruiting visit? And they go, um, this might sound stupid. Can we go to the creamery? Oh, <laughs> so that's what they wanted to do the most. They're that's like, we level. can, we if, can do if that. They Somebody... want to go to the creamery. That kid committed to yep. BYU. <laughs> it's like, it's like, go no get the golf cart. Yeah. We're going to yeah, the creamery for sure. That's so, great. I, and I, in fact, I said. That kid commit? And they go, yeah. I'm yeah like, no of course they did. No course course doubt did. about it. If they're asking to go to the creamery, they're yeah, coming to exactly. BYU. <laughs> okay. Right. Your, your favorite thing about having three boys, you and Sarah. Oh, man. Jeez. I tweeted this out uh, maybe a few weeks ago, but watching your kid work hard and then seeing some uh, results from that hard work is next level, like, um, fatherhood right there. You know, my, my oldest, he's a swimmer, and he works so hard at it, like, and never complains, and he complains about everything. <laughs> but he, he works really hard at it, and to go, you know, when I get a chance to go watch him swim, and I'll go look at the board, and I'll see, okay, here's his time for this event, and then I'll watch, you know, the clock, and I see, and like, oh, drop two more seconds, you know. Which in swim, some some events, that's a big deal, but to see that hard work go put get put in, and that's an example with him, and same thing with my other boys. But see them work hard and try to chase after something and see some of, uh, of that come to fruition is next level. Don't, don't yeah. you love – I loved being a parent of track athletes. Like, hey, I'm also a parent of football athletes and basketball athletes. But they, I don't know. I, I love track because in football and basketball, it was always like, well, did we win tonight? Yeah. And, and you, you try to not focus on the individual like – you know, the kids would come home, hey, I just scored 19, but I'm miserable because we lost, right? Yeah. But in track and field and in swimming, it's always about, did you PR today? Mm-hmm. Like, did you PR? You can focus on, like, on this individual. And if you PR'd, then that's a great accomplishment. Yep. And then if you PR'd, then you certainly contributed to your team doing their best. I love being able to focus on no, PRs. No, and the, the difference, too, 
I try to be dad only, right, mm-hmm. to my kids. And even if they're playing basketball, like, I'm just dad. Listen to somebody else. Like, you know, I'm just dad. I don't know anything about swimming. So yeah. I really am just dad, <laughs> right? Whereas I go watch them play basketball, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to just hold my tongue, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but with that, I just get to be dad and just cheer and root for them. And, yes, I take a look at the clock for sure, but, but it's just fun being dad. It, it, sometimes it doesn't matter. I we wouldn't even focus on what place they got. No. It'd be well, like, in those, those, those events it's strictly about time because you're right like he'll he'll race against byu swimmers or right, Utah right. swimmers is like they're 25 years old you know swimming preparing for the olympics of course they're going to beat you but just to see those times and knowing what his time is before the race and then watching the clock and the turns and, and all that it's so much fun yeah Great it's answer. really cool last night uh my daughter sent me a video of uh, one of my grandkids hit a grand slam in t-ball oh, nice and uh, that that's next level. This is kid stuff. This is what's coming for you. Yeah. Is when the next level guys are playing and talking to them this morning about those moments. And there's such a big thing uh, for uh, us, one of our kids or grandkids to report in what they got done. They're so yeah, proud of. It's, it's fun. So proud of it. I'll uh, say great answer. Something about that same thing. Like to see your kid in the heat of a moment, whether it's free throws or at the plate, and have a chance to hit a walk-off double or whatever, like, that's next level as well. Yeah. And it's 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 more nerve-wracking than when you played. No doubt. You no played doubt. in front of Solat Mary. So I played in front of uh, 80,000 people no doubt. for a national championship. I was never as nervous doing that yeah. as when my kids or grandkids yeah. are in a clutch moment. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Why am I sweating all the way down to my waist? <laughs> Why can't I take a breath right now? Way more nervous for them sure. because you don't have any control. And you just want them to do well. That's a hard, that's a hard thing. Yep. But when they have the success, way better than your own success. It's really a cool, cool thing. Can we ask one last football question before sure. we let you go? Sure. Um, so Northwestern fired their football coach, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, over a hazing scandal. The school president, uh, Michael Schill, said the team culture is broken. And so that got us thinking, is there any better candidate to transform a program's culture who's available right now? Mm-hmm. Then former BYU and Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall. <laughs> from a non-football guy, yeah. from the outside looking in, I believe that's true. You know, I, I you know I follow Bronco, you know, because I, I try sure. to follow and emulate coaches that I've seen that have had success, and you know, you you watch what they say in the locker room, and and, and Bronco's somebody that I have followed, and he did a great job here, and he he did a great job at least from the outside looking in. At Virginia, and he... You think about it. Remember, he had to restore the culture here after Gary Crone got fired, and there was a lot of issues, and some of those guys were Broncos guys, but he was in charge of fixing it and moving forward, won 99 games, and and did just that. It seems like a no-brainer that Northwestern would go, I need a Mr. Fix-It. And it it fits his wheelhouse, too, because Broncos always said he's not been shy about saying, anywhere I coach is going to have a really high academic standard. Like, I I have a specific type of place that I feel like I can be most effective. And so when that Stanford job came open, I'm like, mm-hmm. Bronco would be great at Stanford because he really values that. He wants to recruit that type of kid. BYU was a special place with certain yeah. you know standards that he loved. Virginia's always one or two as a top-rated public institution in America. It's It goes back and forth between Cal and Virginia every year. 
And not, very, not very good in football, right. but they got better. But, but he took that job because it was Virginia, right? I look at Northwestern. Northwestern is a really high academic mm. institution with great standards and a Big Ten. I think he'd be a great fit there. Uh, like I said, non-football guy, but when I talked to those guys that were here with Bronco, same time that I was, Bronco is their guy. Like, yeah. no doubt about it. And I think that's what you want from a yeah. player standpoint. Plus, he could get uh, season tickets to the Cubs and make most of the games. <laughs> there you go. There you it's go. Right there. That's he's the biggest Cubs fan I was in just America. There. I just drove by Wrigley on Thursday. Were they night. out of town? Or they were you? out of town. Oh, yeah. dang! That's such a great environment. They were at Yankee State. They were the Yankees. They yeah. finished the weekend. Don't let him fool you. He has hookups at the Cubs. He, that's that's he, the best. He place. still can get good seats it's for Cubs great. games. He even got me seats at Cubs games. The food's the best at at Wrigley Field. I don't know though. He's, I bet I, being back in Boston. Don't this even spring, don't even bring up. They might have Boston taken, and I'm a New York Yankees guy. And now even now, you go to a Red Sox. I went to three games that weekend of the Boston Marathon. What'd you get? Fish and chips? <laughs> no, I, it's not about the food. It's just about. If I'm not mistaken, I'm a Yankees guy too on the, in the AL. But I believe the Diamondbacks, my Arizona State squad, is on top of the yeah, NL. Yeah, they they're, they're, they're having a good start. Right. They're having a good start. Right. You're, so you're a Diamondbacks guy. <laughs> Only when they're good. Only yeah. when they're good. Well, we're, we're Lee Kamard guys all the time. So all thank you time. for coming in so. to the Wise Guys. And uh, good luck. Oh, have fun over there. Send us a postcard. That's all we ask. Send us yeah. a postcard from Italy. Good luck blending this team together. And, and it literally is on paper the most talent that BYU's ever had on a roster. There's been great players that have developed, but most of these starting right now as, as young players, and you get a chance to, to mold that. We're eager to see what you come up with. <laughs> it, it's, it's our job. Talent yeah. is great. Right. Got to mold it. Um, Build the team. Young is not great. Sure. Talent, we, we got enough experience. Talent though. and experience yeah. together yeah. usually brings great results. So we, yep. wish, we wish for great results this fall. We know Re- you're the right folks to do it. Remember, Appreciate you it. were a freshman once. As sure. you get after Amari Should for more. loafing up the floor, Jones, remember? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and she's going to say, I want to play more. Yeah. All right, Lee, thank you Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Thank's Lee. Great yeah. to have you in. Lee Kamard, assistant basketball coach at BYU in the women's program and one of the great men's basketball players to ever suit up at the Marriott Center and play for BYU. Great to have him with us. Mitch Matthews is going to be with us next week. He was the one who beat Nebraska on that Hail Mary. Steve Clark, tight end coach, and Jen Rockwood uh, on July 25th. We'll get into August. And Steve Young, Jamal Willis, Nick Robinson from men's basketball, Tom Homo, Henry Marsh going to join us the week of the world championships in Can't track and field. Can't wait to have Henry on talking He'll about be that. live on the Wise Guys. And, and so we've got uh, all of that stuff ahead of us. And some big things to announce coming up here in the near future on the Wise Guys. Great having Lee here. He oh, just, he's so, been there. So he's fun. done that. Such a, such a great representative of BYU, period. Um, but but of BYU men's basketball. Mm-hmm. And he's doing such a good job. Uh, you know, and when Amber took over in the transition, um, as, as Jeff Judkins retired, um, she made a smart decision and said, I've got to have I've got to have Lee here. Because he's part of the fabric of, of what we do in the culture here, and he's doing a great job. They've been, man, what a recruiting job this this staff has done this last couple of years, man. Let's get you up to speed on some campus notes. Uh, women's volleyball, the Big Twelve preseason poll out this week. Coaches can't vote for their own teams. These are the coaches doing the voting. Texas for the thirteenth straight year, they're picked number one. They're the defending national champs. 
BYU's in at number two with one first place vote from the Texas head coach because uh, he couldn't vote for himself. At least I, I think that's the reason. I bet you're right, and I bet BYU voted for Texas. And don't, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And Baylor's in at number three. Whitney Bauer, Aaron Livingston been named all preseason Big 12. So look, Texas is the best right They're now. Yeah. They're leaving after next year. Could BYU be number one preseason next year in their Ab- second year in the Big 12? Absolutely could be. BYU recruits top talent. They're, they're a perennial Sweet 16 uh, program. They're a perennial top 10 program. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's one of the ones we keep talking about, ready to go compete. And you want to know what? They'll go compete with Texas for that league championship. Yeah. Absolutely will compete with Texas this year. This year they'll play in Austin. Right. On a Friday, Saturday. We're hoping to get the Longhorns at the field house. That's not going to happen. That's a special. Uh, home for BYU is, we talk about the Marriott Center for Men's Basketball. That Smith Field House for Men's Volleyball and Women's Volleyball is off the charts. When the soccer preseason poll comes out, we expect BYU right at the top of that one, too. Yeah. Who, who are they going to put in front of them? I don't know. TCU's been good. I think yeah. they won the league I, last will year. Would you be surprised if BYU's preseason number one in no, soccer? I but, won't. Not at all. They, they, in fact, if I was voting, I'd put them one. I'd vote for number one. Yep. So, um, hey, a little news uh, with the president, C. Shane Reese, who's a good friend of ours, and uh, we're so excited to to have him. We, we've had a great, great experience with President Worthen, who's also been a dear friend and, and a great supporter of athletics at BYU, you know, a form, former athlete. Um, Shane Reese, the inauguration for the new president will be Tuesday, September 19th at 11 a.m. at the Marriott Center. Live coverage will be on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Um, that'll be a great event, and uh, he proceeds uh, or succeeds President Kevin J. Worthen, great friend, and and f- was a phenomenal president. He served for nine years. Um, he was the vice president to Cecil Samuelson before that. Not only did uh, President Worthen oversee BYU's admittance to the Big Twelve, he was also a key figure in developing BYU TV Sports, which sure we was. were a big part of. That's we spent a lot of uh, time in conversations with President Worthen about both of those topics. Um, he's spending the next year as a visiting professor at the Yale Law School. Re- <laughs> renowned academic um, uh, when it comes to law. He was a dean of the law school at BYU um, uh, before moving into his administrative roles at BYU. It was nice having an attorney who really understands contracts sure. as, as BYU is navigating all this, navigating independence, navigating their way into the Big 12. Almost Ke- as Kevin if, Worthen was right in the middle of that. Almost as if uh, he was meant to be there. Yeah, there's no right question that about that. So uh, I texted him and asked him uh, if he wants to come on the show. What did he say? He said... I'd love to. I'm going to lay low for a little while uh, out of respect for the new president. And then uh, and then down the road, he'll come on with us. Do you know what? I, I'll, I'll track down President Reese. We've got to let him get his feet under him here and get through the inauguration. But I'll, I'll track him yeah, down and we'll see if we can get him on. That, that would be really fun to have Shane Reese on and, and talk about his vision for the future. Talk he's, to a him big, at, he's a big supporter of athletics as well. We were backstage at Stadium of Fire. He was there to help give out some prizes. And, and uh, he's just stoked. Just yeah, stoked he, about he'll this. Be, he'll, be, he'll be great. Major League Baseball draft is underway. It's the draft that goes forever. But Austin Deming selected in the 10th round by the Houston Astros. That's the 314th player taken overall. That's some good money. 10th round pick. Yeah. Uh, solid third baseman. He can crush the baseball. His, That's great news for Austin His Deming. slugging percentage was number one in the country this last year. Like He just put, great pe- player. put people in position to score and that he's going to hit the ball. He's going to get a bat on the Just ball. Just a so. great player. So, um, hey, Jimmer, right? 
Jimmer's team lost an improbable three-point shot in the quarterfinals on a crazy three-point shot. Did you see the highlight? Yes. Oh, it's insane. How does um, that guy make that shot? Th- yeah, it's nuts. So they're over there in China. Ken- Kenneth Brooks was better, but yeah. that three-point shot was also a unicorn, right? Yeah, um, it was. Th- that was a three-on-three th- three tournament in Macaw, China. By the way, Jimmer's still on track. Yeah. Uh, to make the Olympic team for next summer, uh, representing the United States in three-on-three. Three. And we should know that this fall. Yeah. We should know that this fall. Who, else, who do you want in this country on a three-on-three three team more than Jimmer Fredette? For not yeah, just if you're because me, I'd want Jimmer. In one-on-one basketball, and in three-on-three three where there's spacing on the floor and the three-point shot is of such value, like, I don't know who you want better than that, or yeah. more than that. This, Anybody. It, the world's bracing for Jim Romania. It's asking for it. It's, it's, it's going to come back. Men's golf, Peter Quest, began the final day of the John Deere Classic among the top five for the second week in a row on the PGA Tour. He finished at 14 under, tied for 17th, good for 112000 bucks in the last two weeks. He's banked uh, half a million. And guess what else? He now has an exemption, a temporary exemption for the rest of the season. Awesome. And, and like, you can get into the tour in a number of ways, Um but how about just going and finishing the top five in your first tournament and then finish top 20 in your next tournament? That, that's a spectacular way. He's gotten a lot of TV time on I'm CBS. You, BYU guys have been in the national spotlight this last last couple of weeks with Peter doing what he's been doing on the golf course, with, with what Rooks did out, out on the track. I mean, it's, BYU's been in a lot of big-time national, national sports casts. And Kenneth Rooks' thing spanned over to regular Broadcast, So pretty fun. Peter's just tearing it up out there. And by the way, that last day, it wasn't like he played terrible. He shot par. Winner was like 23 under. Yeah, but but the other guys went like 500, 600, 700 on that last day. He he just played solidly. When it's going low, you just have to keep going low. Yeah, so he kind of just stayed where he was and lost some ground. But finishing the top 20, two tournaments in a row in your first two tournaments on the PGA Tour, that is phenomenal. Good stuff. Oh, by the way, he also drove the green on a 380-yard hole in that in that tournament. <laughs> He's got a future in that golf yeah, business. Yeah, so how about women's golf? Talk about that a little bit. Former Cougar Alicia May Mateo made her professional de- debut at the U.S. Women's Open this last week. She missed the cut at 16 over par. They played at Pebble Beach yeah. and um, WCC Player of the Year. And so now she's off, off and running as right. a professional golfer. We wish her the best. That's a lot of pressure to start at the U.S. Open. And those yeah. courses are primed to cause you trouble. And, and when they put when they grow the rough up at Pebble, and they, it's it is not an easy golf course. So <laughs> hey, Earl Earl Carr's got a question for us. Speaking of alignment, we're talking about uh, college football alignment. We have spent months about it. How bad San Diego State looking right now? Oh man, it's it's just. I feel bad for him. You and I talked about this a little bit last week because we have really good friends down there in the football program and the basketball program and a lot of respect. I I think they got some really bad information and were misled to thinking they were in when they even broached that subject. And then whoever it was, whether it was the Pac-12 or the Big 12, and we don't know. We don't have insider information on who gave them the indication that they were in. Um, But it really made San Diego State look bad. And, and, And then I feel... Like the WCC's rubbing their nose in a little bit. You know, it's, oh, you were out. You owe us money. Or the Mountain West, you I mean? I mean, the Mountain West, sorry, yeah. not the WCC, the Mountain yeah, West. Yeah, and the fact they're going to have a meeting later this week just to decide because right now they are out. They're saying, no, you're out. You told us you're out. And if you're coming back in, then you owe us, you owe us and uh, here's like the millions thing. of dollars. And, and maybe they are still going to go out. Um, and if you know they are going out, what is it to your advantage to bring them back in? If the Mountain West has a reason to say you're out, 
there's no motivation for them to bring San Diego State back in right, if they know because they've already said, look, we're leaving. Right. Just like it's hard to trust Oregon and Washington for the Pac-12 with whatever they got right. going because they've already said, uh, yeah, if, when if the, the Big Ten calls, the Big we're Ten leaving. Calls, we're out. So, you know. Yeah, that's, that's like marrying somebody going, yeah, this is good, hey, uh, except if for... If I see somebody more attractive I, come out. by, yeah. I just want just, you to know, Just I'm so out. you know, I want a clause in my contract that if somebody more attractive than you walks by, um, or that has more money... Yeah, I, who signs I, up for that? I need an out. I need to have an out. That's what they it got It just doesn't work on. like that, does it? On this day, on July 11th, a couple of things that have shaped the world we live in. Let's wrap up with this stuff. Okay, yeah, so 1530, we're going way back this Soul time. school. Like, your research on this one today is, it goes deep, deep into history. Yeah. Um, by the way, when I was in Croatia, I was in churches that were that old. Yeah, so. yeah. And this is, uh, is church-related. So That Pope, whole Europe thing was before us. Yeah, 1533, Pope Clement VII excommunicates England's King Henry VIII. Now you're going, well, now why is that a big, uh, big deal? Well, it allowed the Church of England to break from the Catholic Church. Um, and breaking from the Church of England was a key motivator for the colonies in the American Revolution and played a hand in so much of the aftermath. They wanted so to do their own thing. It, w- it was a domino yeah. that fell that changed uh, the course of world history, really. On this day in 1533. 1533. So, hey, if you're out and about and you feel like today is just a normal day, be careful because what you might do might be impactful like 400 years from now. Yeah, King Henry VIII. There's a song about him. I'm Henry VIII, I am. Yeah, anyhow. I don't know why I sang it with a British accent, but I did. Because he's from over there. 1798, the U.S. Marine Corps established by Congress. In 1804. Now, this is interesting. Yeah. Vice President Aaron Burr mortally wounds former Secretary of State Alexander Hamilton in a pistol duel. And the whole context for the play Hamilton, the musical, um, is, 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 so that was a big deal. Can you imagine, can you imagine? Aaron Burr, sir. Wouldn't that seem like a good idea? Let's have a pistol duel. Well, and if you, if you go watch Hamilton, it, it looks like Alexander Hamilton. Like, there was the way they could both just point their pistols in the air and shoot. And if they do that, um, then it's over. And they still keep their pride. Because their street cred. you were challenged to a duel. They both shot into the air. But, but they, they keep their pride and they keep their integrity intact. And, and that's what... You know, according to the play, that's what Alexander Hamilton thought that Aaron Burr was going to do, but Aaron Burr shot. He guessed wrong on this day yeah. in 1804. 1804. 1914. Hollywood Bowl opens in Los Angeles. So I, was, I never like, knew for years what the Holiday Bowl was. The Hollywood, Hollywood Bowl? Bowl. Oh, it's one of the most famous concert venues in the country. Yeah. 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 Beatles and, in 1964. The Doors in 68. The Stones in, in 69. The Who in 2022. The, the Who in Bowl. 2022. Yeah, a lot of huge stars have performed in the Hollywood Bowl. 1960, the book To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee is published. That was my favorite book. Probably my favorite non-scriptorial book that I've ever read, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, it's yeah, it's intense. 1967, the Newlywood Game premieres in the U.S. on ABC. <laughs> was that the first big game show? And did uh, that usher in the, all the game shows, or is that... I don't know, but I don't, all I know is that's a game show that was not allowed... On at TV at the McCann's. <laughs> hey, I think we watched it at our house. So, Or maybe I looked over somebody's shoulder. That's because you were East Coast. That's yeah. right. East Coasters are a little more on the edge. On this day in 2019, the last model of the Volkswagen Beetle was produced in Puebla, Mexico, ending production after 80 years. And, and it's interesting. When you go down um, uh, to Mexico, you see all these Volkswagen Beetles that look like they're new. That's because they are. The, the molds were sold down there, and they make them down there until, until 2019. So. July 11th birthdays, 
And we stay uh, with the patriotic theme in 1767, John Quincy Adams, the sixth president. Yep. So wait a minute. Was John Adams the second president and John Quincy Adams was the sixth, the sixth president? So there you go. And how about in 1899, E.B. White, the author of Stuart Little and Charlotte's Web. We all read those books. Yes, we did. Stuart Little was zipping around on a motorcycle. Yep. Charlotte's Web. Yep. 1920, Yule Brenner of the Ten Commandments, born today, yeah. so let it be written. Yes. 1934, Giorgio Armani, the great fashion designer and icon. 1934 on July 11th, his birthday. July 11th, deaths. Uh, 1937, George Gershwin. And the reason we thought that was interesting is Rhapsody in Blue was the first performance at the Hollywood Bowl in 1927. Yeah, George Gershwin, a great composer. Um, 1989, Laurence Olivier, the actor that played Hamlet, um, and he was one of the greatest actors of all time, 1989, passed away. 2007, Lady Bird Johnson, former first lady, died on this day. Yep. The Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week, of course, is from E.B. White. I, I, it's appropriate, right? Yeah. So because because uh, um, we, we talked about E.B. White, his birthday is today. Are my stories true, you ask? No, they're imaginary tales. But real life is only one kind of life. There's also the life of the imagination. And yeah. isn't imagination a big part of being a fan? It, absolutely. Like right now, maybe this is our year. Right now, Ruby's going, just imagine what it would be like if BYU, in their first year of the Big 12, wins the conference championship in football. And, and that's why we'll watch. We, we need that imagination. Yeah. Some people call it blue goggles. You know, yeah. well, the, the goggles are the color of whoever you're cheering for. That's right. Um, but the imagination in sports, and I think that's why we love it so much, and, and, and we go back to uh, Kenneth Rooks, the imagination of what we saw that is so improbable that you have to keep watching it. You go, how did that even happen? And then there, the miracle bowl. How did that happen? There's three guys guarding Clay Brown and Danny Age. How did he get all the way to the rim against Notre Dame? And no one could stop Jimmer. And Ty Detmer somehow dodged between those two Miami defenders and threw a touchdown, won the Heisman. That's, that's what we... That's what we thrive on, right? The imagination of sports. And Big 12 Media Day starts tomorrow. And it, it's always everybody has a fresh slate, right? Yeah. We're starting a whole new season here. And it starts with football. Um, actually, it's not the first sport. Right. It, it, is volleyball the first sport? Soccer, soccer? I think. Yeah, soccer women's soccer is the first. But the fall sports season's coming. Everybody's undefeated right now. And, and our imagination and our hope says... How, how long can these teams stay undefeated? And wouldn't it be nice if BYU could win some championships here? So, and therein lies the constitution of the wise guys. That's right. That's why we're here. Uh, the podcast here will be up tomorrow. To bring you hope. <laughs> bring you hope and talk you through when reality says, yeah. not this year. When the unicorn gets smacked down. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Matthews is going to join us next week. Speaking of. Miracle finishes, yeah, miracle finishes. Uh, with what he did against Nebraska. I'm off to Texas. We'll have a full report on the Big 12 meetings. And uh, you realize next week, NFL players like Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua are there. in, training, in camp. training camp. That's how close football is. I can feel it. I can taste it. We're ready to roll. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. We're the Wise Guys. Thank you for watching this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week.